TimeMagazine.com. What? TimeMagazine.com. <laughs> My mouth is not working properly today. I think I'm just so cold. That is a problem. Okay. With you, the sun is shining 24-7. Cause when we're together... Feels like we're in heaven. If it will get dark, you'll be my million stars. I know I can lean on you. Welcome to episode 23 of Delete This History, a podcast by two besties of a certain age searching for answers. We're your hosts, Bria Brown and Kara Birch. Did you almost forget who you were? No, I was waiting for you to introduce <laughs> me. <laughs> like I'm a big celebrity. Here's Bria. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I'm just thrown off because I smell pizza. <laughs> and we're... And I'm staring at a Christmas tree. Right. It's weird. It's weird. We're in my living room. It's just weird. We're, we're, we're recording at Casa Brown Studios. Yes. Is it Casa or Casa? I think it's Casa. I mean, I say Casa. Casa Brown. You say... It's Casa because I'm a whitey. <laughs> Remember my whitey of the year award. Iraq. Anyway, we're a little bit nomadic because yes, our two top choices for recording were no good today. Mm-mm. The library is having HVAC problems mm-hmm. and it's nine degrees outside. Yeah, so that's an issue. <laughs> that's that was a no go. Yeah, they wouldn't let us in if, even if we wanted to. Yes, <laughs> they're closed. And Roy Birch Studios is busy, occupado. Yeah, lots of stuff going on there today. So. Here we are in my living room. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> weird, weird, weird. So what do you want to talk about? Well, I don't know. How, where are the months going? What am I doing with my life? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm doing with my life. I'm watching soap crushing ASMR videos. Did you see I shared one on our Instagram? No. Alex J. DTH Bestie, she gave me that little idea. She said, you should share a soap crunching video on your Instagram story. And I was like, I am old. I do not know what this is. And then I just searched for soap crunching and I found one and it was really cool. And I watched it over and over and over again. And then I clicked the little dots and just shared it to our story, which we've never shared anything to our story. No, because I don't know how to do that. And I don't know what the difference is. I don't either. Because um, you can either do post, reels, or stories. Correct. And I don't know. So a reel, I would think, is a video. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, why not? A post maybe is just a static thing. I don't know. And then your story. What the hell? I don't know. Here's maybe. my story. I don't know how any of this works. Yeah, maybe if I did some research, but I don't have time. Yeah. Once upon a time, there were two ladies who didn't know how anything worked, <laughs> and they didn't have time to figure it out. The end. Um, I would like to talk about family. Oh, okay. Because I got to spend some time this week with my extended family, and my voice is kind of a little rough because there was live music at my sister's 60th birthday party. That's fancy. And it was amazing. It was these two people, Scotty and Starla. Okay. Were their names? Or Starla and Scotty. I got it backwards because I'm old and I never get any (laughs) names right. There was this group, (laughs) two youngins. They were young at heart. Let's just put it that way. But they sang... All the stuff that Corey loves. Aww. The Fleetwood Mac. 
There was a little bit of Bruce Springsteen in there. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Nice. Just a duo harmonizing. Oh my gosh, they were so good at the Fleetwood Mac songs. I love Fleetwood Mac anyway. Me too. I love Fleetwood Mac. I was sitting with her son, Nicholas, uh-huh. at a table. We were eating dinner, and he was like, oh, I hate Fleetwood Mac. And I said, did your mom play it too much when you were growing up? And he said, yes. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and so I asked Caleb, who was sitting right across from me, I said, what what uh, music did I ruin for you? And he said, mm, Train. <gasps> oh, I love Train. I know. <laughs> and he started naming all of these bands that I don't ever listen to anymore. But when he was growing up... That's what we listened to oh in the car. Oh, my gosh. But I did play a lot of The Killers and Muse yeah. and all that, and he loves that stuff still. Oh, Muse. Yeah. I didn't ruin everything, but he said Train. I overplayed Train, and I overplayed Journey. Yes. Journey. <laughs> but that was like comfort food kind of <laughs> listening for me, because that was really nostalgic for me, even. Yeah. Like, I was little when Journey was mm-hmm. popular. Yes. And my older siblings listened to it. Mm-hmm. But N- Nicholas said the same thing. He's like, Journey, F me oh. running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love Journey. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the, her birthday was so much fun. And then my nieces and nephews from the St. Louis area, Heather's kids. Mm-hmm. And their significant others, they came. Nice. And they showed up, and it was so nice to see them all. We got two Preggers people. The next generation is... Oh, my. Keeps on keeping Mm -hmm. on, which is (laughs) mind-blowing. It is (laughs) mind-blowing. But they're so cute. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my nephews is a Bills fan. Uh Uh-oh. Noah. He showed up. In a Bill's jacket. Did you punch him in the face? No, but Andrew, <laughs> my brother Andrew goes, oh, what's this? The Bill's Mafia is crashing our party. <laughs> Take that crap and get out of so here. So we gave him a really hard time, but he was he was a good sport about it. I mean, he obviously wore that on purpose. Of course. Yeah. I told him, I said, well, I'll be eating some buffalo wings this weekend. <laughs> Anyway, um, and then I told him about the Bills game that I got to see in person. Uh huh. And he goes, I know that game. And I said, I'm sure you do. I was there. Oh, and it my was gosh. The best. Yeah, that was an amazing game. Yeah. Too bad we're ha- not having more games like that this season. Man, I don't know if t- tomorrow's game's going to be Dude, like that. I don't know. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried too. But you know what? It'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, even if the, even if we don't make it through, it's fine. I don't know how the Packers are going to do with the 49ers. Dude. <laughs> I mean, I was not expecting the Packers to beat the Cowboys. So I'm not, I'm not saying nay. They may smash the 49ers. But people from the future listening to this, tell us. Yeah. Have you bought football food for this weekend? Not yet. Ooh, that's what I was doing this morning <laughs> when it was nine degrees outside. What are you going to have? Tonight for the Packers game, Sean's going to make his famous Sean Burger sliders. Nice. Sean makes really good burgers. Yes, he really does. Good. So we're having sliders tonight with homemade scalloped potatoes. Oh, my gosh. Like, we make our own cheese sauce. <gasps> it's his mom's recipe. Oh, my gosh. 
And so we make our own cheese sauce and then, oh, it's like oh your taters. Yes, it's so good. So we're going to do that. And then tomorrow night's going to be a Mexican food theme. Oh. And I'm going to make some pico de gallo. Oh. And then, you know, like the seven layer taco dip mm-hmm, that people make, mm-hmm. we're going to turn that into a pinwheel. And we're going to build the seven layers onto a tortilla and yes. roll it up and slice them. We've never done that before. We're going to try that. That's going to be amazing. But then we're also going to have a nacho bar. Uh-huh. I'll be uh-huh. there. Okay. <laughs> um, we're going to have buffalo wings because we're going to eat some buffalo wings. That is hilarious. I love it. Yeah, we're doing, we're definitely eating buffalo wings. Uh, anyway. You ready? We're not here to talk about football food. Mm-hmm. Are, ooh, well, kind are of. We? Sometimes. Okay. This isn't a football podcast. We're here to share our internet search histories with our DTH besties. And for that, we move on to the reading of the lists. I get to go first this week. Yes, you do. I'm going to tell you my top five most interesting, funniest, most successful searches of the week in list form. Hit me. Here we go. Number one, Microsoft Word Dictionary Language Keeps Changing. Mm. That was what I actually plugged in. Number two, R Toot. <laughs> Farts are funny. Number three, Audrey Lord. Number four, Travis Kelsey Food Walmart. Number five, Andy Reid Frozen Mustache. <laughs> what are you going to talk about when? <laughs> oh, I yeah, don't XFL. know. I don't know. All right. Well, those are interesting. Okay. Um, that's, yeah, I'm still mulling those over. Well, while you're mulling, tell me your searches. Okay, here we go. Number one, how long does muscle memory last? Number two, who invented waffles? Number three, how are lab-grown diamonds created? Number four, louder milk TV show. Number five, Andreas Segovia. Okay. That's good. What's my list? Three out of five questions. I know. I, I've i noticed that I'm going back to full questions. You're regressing. I'm regressing. <laughs> well, you're getting older. Every second yes. of the day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Would you like to play a little game? I do want to play a game. What if that game was called... Search Search me! Where we each pose one question to each other and see if she can answer based only on the reading of the lists. Okay, Kara. Today you're playing for your choice of any item from my vast sticker and paper crafting inventory. (gasps) What? You'll get to go into my inner sanctum, which is (laughs) a complete mess. Maybe I'll just bring it out here to you and pick something. That's exciting. I know. All right. I thought that was a good gift. And since we're here. Yeah. It didn't have to be portable. Exactly. Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Ooh, I'm okay. excited. Your question is, which search was strictly for sending you a picture? Since I had already seen this disgusting but funny image multiple times while you were classing it up at an orchestra performance. I don't even have to look at your list to know. <laughs> That it was Andy Reid's mustache. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> First Poor of all, Andy, they were obsessed with his mustache. Why? On the the broadcast of the game against the who was that? The Dolphins. The Dolphins. Yeah. 
They were obsessed. Yes. Because it was, it just kept getting icier and icier. And he was not going to, he didn't care to clear it off or anything. Like, because it was just going to keep happening. Yeah, exactly. But it was so gross. Do you think it was snot? Yes. Okay. I absolutely think it was snot. I mean, it's so cold out there. What are you going to do about it? They were snotsicles. <laughs> Hanging off his mustache. I mean, that's what it's there for. To catch your snotsicles? Yeah, when it's that cold. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have to wipe his nose. Mm-mm. Just let it let it flow. Screw you, Kleenex. So Jason Kelsey on New Heights kept asking, <laughs> Travis, <laughs> how is there that much moisture there to even make all those... All that ice on his mustache. Moisture. Yes, and and Travis was like, "Dude, it's his. It was his nose running." <laughs> Jason Kelsey did not understand that it was from snot. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh, it's pretty funny. That, <laughs> as someone who lives in a cold climate mm-hmm. and has facial hair, right? It's really weird that he didn't understand that. That your snot's going to flow down in there. He must just have a hanky on him all the time. Or he doesn't get runny noses. Maybe. That must know. be nice. Yeah. So, I'm about to the point of putting um, a tissue up my sleeve. That's how much my nose whoa. runs all the time. I thought you were going to say putting tissues up your nostrils. That's also a good idea, <laughs> but then people throw garbage at me. People do tend to stare. It's like, what? What? You never seen a lady with tissues up her nose before? Jeez. I'm just going to put tampons so. up there. <laughs> <laughs> then when it's time to change them out, you just you, pull the string. Yes, you just pull the string. Done. I mean, that's actually a really good idea. Beautiful. Oh, shoot. It's been booger freezing cold here. Oh, my gosh. I'm Literally. So... Reed Snotsicle Mustache is correct. Okay. And my sources were ESPN and Peacock. Uh, peacock. peacock. Um, What's my question? Well, first of all, I'm going to show you what your prize is. And I hope you like tiny appliances. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> because today... I'm a little scared now. You are playing for this teeny, tiny waffle maker. Oh, my gosh. It's so little. Sean hates it. Because it's so tiny. It is the tiniest thing I've ever seen. He loves waffles like you would not believe. It oh. makes like ego size waffles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. There's a little cookbook that comes with it, too, with <gasps> recipes in it. <laughs> I bought this for Sean because we used to have a waffle maker that was big mm-hmm. and you couldn't clean it. I mean, there's oh my gosh, waffle they... makers are impossible to clean. Yeah, my mother-in-law has one, and they're just a nightmare. It, they are a nightmare, and we never used it because it's a you nightmare. can't clean it. Yeah. yeah, so I got rid of it, and he was sad. Even and though you never used it. Even though we never used it. So I bought him this as a little, like, peace offering, mm. and a real, and we used it, I think, maybe once. It's like a George Foreman grill is, is what it looks like. It's super, and it does a really good job. I mean, it did an excellent job, but Sean said it takes too long because you only get one little one at a time. Yes. I bought him a brand new waffle maker for Christmas. Uh-huh. And the griddles pop out of it, and you can put them in the dishwasher. <gasps> That's perfect. And so we have had waffles twice now since Christmas. 
And he's super happy. Okay. Which of my searches relates directly to your prize today? Oh, who invented waffles? That's it. We're getting good at this. (laughs) We're getting good at softballing each other. Oh, who did invent waffles? Well, experts can't completely agree. Of course. But waffles can be traced, supposedly, to ancient Greece, where they cooked flattish cakes between two metal plates. Mm-hmm. Medieval Europeans cooked waffles on devices that looked like giant tongs. So imagine these big, long oh, tongs. Yes. And on the end yes. are these rectangular metal plates uh-huh. that had etchings in them. Yeah, kind of like you make hobo, well, we used to call them hobo pies. Hobo over pies? Over a campfire. Yeah. Yeah, so you would put the dough and the fruit filling Oh. in this clamp-looking thing yes. that had long handle uh-huh. so that you didn't have to put your hand in the fire. Exactly. And then you clamp it together, and then you put it over the fire, and you cook your hobo pies. Oh, my gosh. We yes. used to do that when camping. This is very similar. That is the same mm-hmm. thing. They would hold it over the fire to cook them. Some of the symbols were coat of arms or like a honeycomb pattern Oh. or love symbols. Love. Like hearts or fleur-de-lis or something like that. I see. One source I found said that waffles arrived in the U.S. with pilgrims. I don't know that that's true. Another source I found claimed that they arrived in the 17th century with Dutch immigrants. That sounds more plausible. Yes, I agree that. I agree. I would uh, believe that one. Um, Have you ever had Stroop waffles? Oh, my goodness. They're my favorite. Oh, my God. With a cup of coffee? Get out of (laughs) here. I found another source that said Thomas Jefferson brought a waffle iron over from France in 1789 sparking a fad for waffle parties <laughs> oh my gosh we have to have a waffle party sean is on board he he i told him that and he was like why aren't we doing that <laughs> it's like fondue of the 1770s when i dug out this waffle maker i found a fondue pot that i didn't even remember that we had oh my goodness so we could we could do a waffle party we could do a fondue party we could do a boiled egg contraption party <laughs> Because a boiled egg party would be the worst. <laughs> I really like boiled eggs. I do too, but I don't want to have a party where we all sit around <laughs> eating them. Oh, oh, wait, I forgot how eggs affect you. Uh, it would smell so bad. <laughs> okay, we won't hold a boiled egg party. Okay. Oh, goodness. Um... Okay, so then the electric iron waffle blew the lid off of how waffles are made. Because I guess they were putting waffle irons just on stovetops. Mm-hmm. It was super dangerous and people were getting burnt all the time mm-hmm. and they were super messy. So in the mid-1930s, the Dorsa brothers from California invented a instant waffle mix and then later developed a carousel-like contraption that would churn out thousands of waffles in an hour. That's what Sean needs. And they were ready to be frozen and shipped. <sighs> Kellogg bought the company in uh-huh. 1970 and introduced Eggos to the world. Yes. Hey, Lego my Ego. 
Lego my ego. I love egos. Oh, do you? Me too. Do you get just a plain old home style, or do you go crazy with like blueberry? Oh, and... I really love the blueberry. I, you know, I've never had a blueberry one before. Oh, they're so good. I'm so. The strawberry ones are really good mm. too. I'm so vanilla. I am just so. Come on, Kara. You're boring. <laughs> I just always get. You're basic. When I say I always get, when I buy egos, it's like once a year. Right. We don't. We, we don't I never keep them. buy egos. No. If I see them by accident at the store, I'm like, oh, egos. Right. See, that's the thing. That's how I end up with them. When you don't go to the store to grocery shop and yes. you just put a grocery order in, you tend to just get the same things every week. Yep. And you don't see things. And it's dangerous when you go to the store. Like, uh-huh. I spent almost 50% more oh, at the store I last easily, week. I easily spent easy for our weekly order. I was like, yeah. this is why I don't go to the store mm-hmm. because I see things and I'm like, Ooh, that looks good. Ooh, that looks mm-hmm. good. Oh, I haven't tried that. I bought one of your potential prizes at the store because <laughs> I saw it and I was like, oh, I got to put that in my stash, my Bria prize stash. <laughs> nice. So anyway, that's something to look forward to. Heck yeah. The etymology of the word waffle. Yes. Also conflicting sources. Some people say it comes from the communion wafer. Because when waffles were first being made, they weren't, a leavener wasn't used. And so like communion waffles, they are, you know, flat, they're flat yeah. and they're not, there's no rising agent included. Right. But then others say it came from the Greek word, sorry, Greece, obelios. Obelios. One source says it comes from the French word, wafur. Okay. How does obelios translate to waffle i tried to find what obelios meant and i kept getting all these stupid i could not figure out from all of the interwebs we're throwing that one out then okay that doesn't count and then others say it comes from the dirch dirch derpy dirch that's when you're that's when you're a derpy dutch person yeah you're dirching they kind of talk like that. Okay, start. Let me try that again. Others say it comes from the Dutch word waffle, W-A-F-E-L, uh-huh. which itself derives from the Middle Dutch waffele. Waffele? Kofefe. No. You could have some kofefe with your waffele. <laughs> okay, some fun facts. Okay. And then I'll be done. National Waffle Day is August 24th, and that coincides with the date that Cornelius Swartwout (laughs) was given the U.S. patent for the stovetop version of the waffle iron in 1869. The Waffle House sells approximately 154 waffles every minute of every day in the United States. Holy crap. The waffle iron was responsible for another innovative concept, the athletic shoe. In 1972, University of Oregon track coach Bill Bowerman applied for a patent of a new kind of footwear that featured shaped rubber studs on the soles to for better traction. Mm-hmm. Bowerman used his waffle iron to create the patterned grips on the soles of the shoes. Bowerman later co-founded Nike. Holy crap. Waffles. Helping us work out better. <laughs> helping us just do it. <laughs> My sources for all this were Maple Syrup Valley Corporation. 
Wikipedia, smithsonianmagazine.com, and timemagazine.com. This waffle iron is yours. You know what you could do? And I tried to convince Sean, but he wasn't having it. You can make a whole bunch of waffles and freeze them. Right. Just like Eggos. Right. And he was like, why would would I do that? If I'm going to make waffles, I'm going to eat them. Now we're at the segment that we can never smoothly transition Mm -mm, to. Never. We don't know how to. So now the transition is just us talking about how terrible the transition is. (laughs) This segment is called Shared History. It is. And we talk about our shared internet search histories with you, our DTH besties. Yes. All right. My first search this week that I'm going to talk about is RTOOT. Yes, please. RTOOT is an acronym for the Really Terrible Orchestra of the Triangle. What? Which I learned about while listening to one of my favorite oldie but goodie podcasts. This is Love by Phoebe Judge. Oh, what's that about? The Phoebe Judge of criminal fame. Criminal podcast is like the first podcast I ever listened to. Oh, ever. Ever. But she also does a podcast called This is Love. And it's a little more lighthearted, obviously, than criminal. Okay. Although criminal can be pretty lighthearted because it's like quirky criminal things. This is Love basically talks about all the ways that you can love life, love something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just different love. So this was about someone's love of music. Okay. He is a conductor. He was a conductor. No longer with us, unfortunately. But he founded this amateur orchestra in the Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill area of North Carolina, which is known as the Research Triangle or the Triangle. Oh. He founded this orchestra in 2008. His name was Sands Hobgood. Okay. W. Sands Hobgood, but Sands to his friends. Or Sandy, I think they called him. And he wanted to encourage reasonably competent musicians who have been prevented from playing music with others due to lack of talent or other factors to rehearse and perform in an ensemble of players of similar ability. Oh, my gosh. They try really hard (laughs) and don't sound awesome, usually, but they don't sound like terrible. Yeah. And they have a really good time. Oh, my gosh. I need to be a part of this group. You should listen to this episode of This Is Love. It's pretty recent. So if you look up the podcast, you'll see it. So funny. They hold auditions. Oh, Okay, but listen, but you can't be too good. Oh. (laughs) If you're too good, the conductor will refer you to other musical groups in the area. Oh, wow. That might use somebody of your caliber. Oh, my gosh. Some of the people they talk to. Hadn't picked up their instrument in like 40 years. Oh, like since high school. Goodness. But they still had their instrument and they wanted to get back to it. It's people like that. That's awesome. Yeah. This is what he said. We try to get the music as best as we can. And then we add some shtick. (laughs) He worked for three weeks one time to get his mobile phone to ring in the middle of the famous silent section near the end of Strauss's Blue Danube. He programmed his phone to ring during that time in the performance. Oh, my gosh. And then he answered his phone from the podium. (laughs) That's hilarious. And the audience loved it. They also encouraged the audience members to turn their ringers on on their phones. 
to cover up any terrible noises that might emanate from the stage. <laughs> the orchestra's antics also include assigning the principal clarinetist as the concert mistress to lead its tuning. Oh my gosh. Supposedly because the group did not realize that in a typical orchestra, the violinist right. leads the tuning. Just stuff like that. The podcast episode about it was so charming and so Aww. sweet. I just love that idea. Yes, that you I can do too. pick up a clarinet after you hadn't played it since high school and decide, you know what? I want to start playing this again. Mm-hmm. My sources were This Is Love podcast mm-hmm. and Wikipedia. Nice. I'm going to have to check out that podcast. That's a really interesting concept. It's amazing. I'm going to tell you about this search that is how long before a muscle memory fades. This is fascinating to me. Well, it's probably not going to go the way you think oh, it's going to no. go. So I have a little backstory I have to tell you for the reason that I searched this. I was driving to work and I parked. And I was really deep in thought because I was getting ready to face a problem in the office. And I'd been thinking about it all the way in. Mm-hmm. And so I, was, I really was preoccupied. I was not paying attention to driving and I should have been. Oh, no. But it's fine. We got to work safely. No, okay. no worries. But... As I parked, I turned off my car and then grabbed for my keys. Oh, yes. There are no keys in my car. I don't use a key. It's a push button. Right. So then that jolted me out of my thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no. And so then I started looking in the floorboard because I thought maybe they'd fallen out. So I was looking. And then the brain power that I was using to think about this problem finally kicked in with my muscle memory brain and was like, hey, moron. You haven't used keys for like four months now. Right. You don't have keys. Yeah. Different car. Different car. So I started walking toward the building and I was like, that was weird. How my, how I just automatically grabbed for keys and then panicked when they weren't there. Mm -hmm. So I typed in, how long does muscle memory last? (laughs) Search did not produce what I thought it was going to produce. I'm going to tell you. The two things that came out of this. Okay. What I got first and learned was that, let's say you lift weights. Yeah. And you are disciplined about it and you lift weights continually. You build muscle mass and you become toned. Mm -hmm. And then let's say one day you're in the kitchen on a step stool and you fall off of it. (laughs) And you hurt yourself. This is Now, the first part of this was very difficult. I had to use my creativity brain. And really think about this because I cannot think about being a disciplined weightlifter. Yes. But falling off of something in my kitchen, as we all know, has Mm -hmm. happened before. I wanted to bring you into the story more. Okay. All right. So you've injured yourself and you cannot lift weights for quite some time. Did I pee my pants when I fell? Most likely. Yes. Okay. (laughs) This is getting more and more realistic. So you have to heal before you go back to lifting weights. Yes. You've lost your tone, and much of your muscle mass. And so you have to kind of start over. Oh, man. Your muscles will remember how large they had gotten before you started to lose that muscle mass and that tone. And they will actually grow faster and stronger as you begin that disciplined weightlifting again, because they have a muscle memory. They remember. They remember how large the cells had okay. grown. Okay. 
And so you actually will get back to where you were quicker than when you originally started building that muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So that's what I learned (laughs) by accident. Okay. When I was looking for brain muscle memory like right it's still muscle memory but this is not what i was looking Correct. for You're, you weren't looking for literal muscle i was looking memory. for everyday motor skills things you don't think yes. about walking breathing blinking things Driving. like that grabbing your keys yes so i changed my search to how long before neural pathways fade oh that's a good search thank you I've been driving with keys for 29 years, Mm -hmm. and that is a neural pathway that's pretty much, like, not going to go away. Really? Especially because I have other vehicles that use keys. Oh, so you can't completely... Correct. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Every time you experience something new, think about something new... You are creating a brand new neural pathway. I know, and I love it. It's so fascinating. If you don't continue to think about that, study it, practice it, it will be scrubbed from your brain in about 24 hours. Whoa. Yes. Use it or lose it. Absolutely. So what I found was, um, like, they used a child, for example. So you feed your kid uh, bananas and apples, and then one day you give him a dragon fruit. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out, wait a second, I know bananas and apples, that this tastes different. And so he's creating a neural pathway, trying to figure out what mm-hmm. this, he's trying to relate it to bananas and apples, mm-hmm. but this tastes different. That was just an example that I had found. It turns out what I, my biggest fear mm-hmm. was, is this another sign of dementia setting in? <laughs> Because you know that's my biggest fear. And it was such a weird feeling. For me, I was so deep in thought. Right. That this hand just took over and started doing shit that I wasn't even. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking for my keys. (laughs) I can't explain to you what a weird feeling that was. I've I've had experiences like that before, though. And it really bothered me. Like, it really did bother me. Really? I should not be searching for keys. I haven't used keys in months. I know, but like you said, you do have other vehicles where there are keys involved. And your brain was really, really, really fixated on something else. Yes, I was very deep in thought. Yeah, so, I mean... There might be other signs that you have dementia, but that's not one of them. No, not yet anyway. (laughs) Whew, thank goodness. Anyway, so I think I'm okay, everybody. Dementia hasn't set in yet. I just have a very deep neural pathway for using keys Mm -hmm. for my car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But it does turn out, you know, it is a use it or lose it, just like you said, Mm -hmm. you know. So if you want to keep those neural pathways, I mean, it talked about habits over and Mm -hmm. over and over because those are our everyday habits. Right. Now, when you're trying to, like, lose weight, for example, Mm. those are harder habits to form. But some people form them faster than others. Yes. It's like playing an instrument. It's exactly like playing an instrument. My sources were MIT News, setforset.com, and lifeexchangesolutions.com. That is fascinating. I think brains are just so, so interesting. Yes. Oh, and another thing, this doesn't really have anything to do with my search, but it's super interesting. And since you also think brains are interesting. I do. Okay. 
one of the things I found was um, all of our neural pathways take different routes. Scientists used to think that they stay on hemispheres, but now they're finding that they actually cross hemispheres and then even maybe stick into quadrants. Yeah. So if I tell you to think about a cat, uh-huh. your neural pathway isn't going to go the same way that my neural pathway would go to think about what a cat looks like. Right. What does your cat look like that you pictured just now? I pictured Boo. Oh, okay. Heather's cat. Boo. I, I pictured a completely black cat with green eyes. Yeah, see? We Weird. don't think the same. I used to have a boss who, when we did team building, she would say, everybody picture a calendar. Have I done this with you? Yes, but I love it. Let's do it again. Okay, so everybody picture a calendar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what does your calendar look like when you're when you're seeing it? In your mind. It's like a wall calendar. And what do you see on the wall calendar? Uh, Just boxes. And is it the entire year? Nope, it's a month. It's one month. It's a single month. I also only picture a month at a time. Mm -hmm. Some people will picture all 12 months. Some people will just picture a week's worth. Mm -hmm. My boss pictured like a clock. And September was at the 12 o'clock position because her birthday was in September. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. I was okay. like, you are a freaking weirdo. That, I said, that is really odd. That is interesting. But that's why it's so hard to work with each other, because mm-hmm. we're communicating one way. Yeah. And we know what we're trying to say, but it just, since we all think differently, it doesn't come across that way. Right. And you can say one thing and think there's no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, I'm saying what I'm saying. And three people will have three different interpretations of what you're saying. Yep. Or three pictures in their mind of what that means Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Now, sometimes when I think about the calendar, like the year. Yes. I do picture January at the top and December at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So it's like a listing of the months. Oh, so maybe not. Not even like the individual days or how many days are in the month or whatever. It's just the listing January through December. And then that's how I know like if something is late in the year or early in the Mm -hmm. year because of if it's up at the top or at the bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that we're talking about this, I don't know how I would picture a year. I would have to get out of this conversation and have someone (laughs) randomly say, hey, picture a year. Picture a calendar year. Yeah. I could read about brains all day long. Me too. I was thinking the other day, I should really just go back to school and do some psychology. I would go back and do sociology. I love sociology too. So interesting. I think anthropology is so interesting. Oh, yes. That is a good one. But then what do I do with it? Sit and watch people? I mean, I would have to become a scientist or a researcher or something. I don't know what I would do with a sociology degree. Who says you need to do anything with it? Well, I would like to do that rather than what I'm doing now. Oh, I see what you're I mean, saying. I would like to make money at something that I... Yeah, like but just like the, having the knowledge would be fun. That's true. I just love learning. That's great. <laughs> you should love learning because it's fun. It creates new neural pathways. It does. My next search is Audrey Lord. Yes? This is a little bit more serious. Okay. She was an American poet and prose writer who lived from 1934 to 1992 and whose work focused on class, gender, sexuality, and race. Okay. I looked her up because her name was mentioned in a podcast, of course, and I realized I knew nothing about her. Okay. And I've never read any of her work. 
And I have a minor in English. Well, there's a lot of literature out there. Correct. But I took American literature classes many, many, and never read anything by her. Okay. She wasn't even mentioned in these classes. So to quote the aforementioned Phoebe Judge in her show Criminal, Mm -hmm. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Criminal. (laughs) I believe this is Criminal, that I don't (laughs) have any knowledge of this person. Okay. In her 1979 essay, The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House, she asks, what does it mean when tools of a racist patriarchy are used to examine the fruits of that same patriarchy? Interesting. Her answer was, it means that only the most narrow perimeters of change are possible and allowable. That sounds about right. She was constantly imploring people to stop treating masculinity, heterosexuality, and whiteness as ideals or goals to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Those should not be the yardstick. Mm-hmm. Come on, everybody. Let's try to think a little bit more laterally. She wrote Power, a poem, after a New York police officer was acquitted of shooting and killing a 10-year-old black boy in Queens. Mm. Now, this was back in the 70s. This has been happening forever, and it's still happening. Mm -hmm. Why is this still happening? Here's an excerpt, but I encourage everyone to look up the whole poem and read it. But it's very raw and angry, and I didn't want to read the whole thing on mic, just because it's something that everybody should just read themselves. Mm -hmm. I am trapped on a desert of raw gunshot wounds, and a dead child dragging his shattered black face off the edge of my sleep blood from his punctured cheeks and shoulders is the only liquid for miles and my stomach churns at the imagined taste while my mouth splits into dry lips without loyalty or reason thirsting for the wetness of his blood as it sinks into the whiteness of the desert where i am lost without imagery or magic trying to make power out of hatred and destruction trying to heal my dying son with kisses only the sun will bleach his bones quicker wow That's amazing. And that is the tamest part of the poem. She was a very interesting person. Just her personal life was interesting. She was always openly gay, Mm -hmm. but she married a white gay man and they had kids together. Okay. But they had an open marriage. Mm -hmm. And then they divorced in 1970. And she was with her partner until her death, I believe. Wow. She just had a very interesting life, very interesting viewpoints on feminism and how it excluded women of color. Just really, really eye-opening stuff. So I'm looking forward to exploring a little bit more of of her. I can't even remember what podcast I was listening to, but her, her name came out and it was familiar enough to me. Like I'd heard about, I've heard of her. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of other things that I've I've watched. You know, if you watch any kind of or listen to anything where they talk about Maya Angelou or Toni Morrison, her name gets grouped in with them. And I think that that's probably why I never studied her in college is because I didn't take a an African-American yeah. literature class, which is ridiculous. Why do we have to take special classes to have people included in the canon of American literature? 
I mean, I get it if you want to take a, a feminist literature class or you want to take something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking an American literature class, all of these acclaimed and fantastic American writers should be included, mm-hmm. not just all the old dead white guys. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's really all. I mean, maybe Flannery O'Connor was included in an American literature class. She made the cut. I would be interested to see what an English minor course yeah. would be these days. Yeah, course listing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And what each of those courses entailed, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. syllabi for those courses. I would be interested to see how that has changed since you and I, I bet were it's school. changed a ton. I would hope so. <sighs> I really hope so. <laughs> but Say her name again. Audrey Lord, Audrey L-O-R-D-E. Lord. Very cool. That poem excerpt was really amazing. Yeah, I wish I could write like that. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I would love to be able to write like that. Just the words. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so. Um. It's so. Um. Oh gosh. What's? I see. This is why I'm not a writer. I can't even think of the word to describe what I'm trying to say. It just evokes such a image in your mind. Like. Yeah. It's evocative and very visceral. Yes. I, mean, I would agree. A, a vis- well, The first time I read it, I just yeah, had a visceral. Yeah reaction to the whole poem Mm. and i mean the rest of it is just oh my gosh it's it's heartbreaking um but she said that she wrote that she had heard about the shooting on the news while she was driving and she had to pull over because she was so angry she wanted to drive her car into a wall or into a group of people Mm -hmm. or i mean she she just said that she was just so full of rage all she could see was literally red and so she pulled over collected herself and then she you know went home wrote a little ditty (laughs) but it also reminded me that i am so stuck in a rut when it comes to reading and literature i read the same things same types of things all the time it's like comfort food Mm. you know it's like i it's like eating macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets (laughs) for dinner every night just because well, that's what I like, and that's what I eat, and it tastes good, and blah, blah, blah. And I've never been a big fan of poetry, mm-hmm. but it really makes me want to read some more poetry. Like nice. real poetry. Yeah. Instead of like Shel Silverstein, <laughs> which I know is poetry. Yes, it is. And I love Shel Silverstein. Shel Silverstein is what made me start writing poetry when I was me a kid. Too. And I wrote, and I've got so many dang poems. Me too. From when I was in school. Some rhyming. Oh my Rhyming gosh. good stuff. And I get a real, even to this day, I get a real thrill mm-hmm. out of getting something like the rhythm. Yeah. To get it just right mm-hmm. and to rhyme. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. yes, yes, it's yes, like, yes, where's yes. the cigarette? <laughs> <sighs> so satisfying. But see, I never graduated beyond the Shel Silverstein. You never read like type of poetry. Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I mean, or, I did um, read Edgar Allan Poe, but. Who, I'm trying to think of someone. Emily Dickinson. Yes. Love me some Dickinson. I just never really got into that. I mean, it was too I'm, stuffy. I'm not a huge poetry reader either, but I do have some faves that I do enjoy. Sean was, he was an editor of Drury's Ginkgo Tree Review. Like their anthology? Yes. And mm-hmm. so he, oh my gosh, he would bring home so many poems. We read so many poems together. Oh, good ones though. And bed. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say that would be so fun. It was a blast. It was so much fun to read. So, oh, just stacks and stacks. I just, I really got into it reading that. And I was like, I really need to. Yeah. Like explore that more. Mm-hmm. Make some new neural pathways. Exactly. Maybe I'll write a poem for our social medias. Well, remember, I used to write poems all the time. Yes, you did. Oh, my gosh. Yes, you At did. At the TV stations. <laughs> you want to share stations. one? No, I do okay. not. All right. They were usually pretty rude <laughs> and not nice. Well, it was the nature of the environment. Yeah, it was a very toxic environment, but anything for a laugh. Oh, yes. And I would write rhyming couplets to make people laugh about things. They were funny. Hee-haw. That's all I got to say. Hee-haw. You know, one of our coworkers at the TV station, he admonished me one time. We were having a real good time at the expense of somebody else who was on the news every single night. Yes for a while and he said to me you know she's a really nice person (laughs) I felt real bad for about two seconds and then I was like yeah but my what about my song I wrote about her (laughs) do you like it or not (laughs) oh my god anyway uh, my sources were the Paris Review Poetry Foundation and Women and the American Story Hmm. lots of good sources to keep going back to yeah my next search is how are lab-grown diamonds created? <gasps> this was fascinating. I don't know. Some people might think this is how it boring. works. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. So there are a couple of methods for growing lab diamonds. Mm-hmm. One is called high pressure, high temperature. So this method mimics the condition under which natural diamonds are created. And, you know, when they're crush being yeah, crushed yeah. in the earth. Yeah. So a large machine is fed a certain amount of carbon material that it crushes. The pressures are greater than 870,000 pounds per square inch. 870,000 pounds per square inch. That's more than you can do on one of those things. You know, those things that you can test your grip strength. Yes. It's <laughs> also more than this chair is experiencing as I sit in it. <laughs> These are these are the yardsticks we use yes. for pounds per square inch. <laughs> um, also, there are extreme temperatures used, ranging anywhere from twenty four hundred to twenty nine hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Damn, which was how hot we were in that room at the library a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Another method is chemical vapor deposition. This is when a seed diamond is placed in a small vacuum chamber filled with heated hydrogen and carbon-containing gases. At a certain temperature, the gas molecules break down and layers of crystallized carbon begin to form around the seed diamond, growing a more substantial diamond. Mm. Mm -hmm. Some lab diamonds created through CVD may also undergo pressure and heat treatment after they are grown. Mm -hmm. The only way to tell the difference between natural diamonds and lab-grown diamonds is with a specialized instrument, and you can see identifying markers caused by growth conditions. With these certain machines, you can tell, oh, this was a high-heat, high-pressure diamond, or this was a CBD diamond, Mm -hmm. or this one was a natural diamond from the earth. You can't tell by the naked eye the difference between a natural diamond and a lab-grown diamond. And 
lab-grown diamonds are anywhere from 65 to 80% cheaper than a natural diamond. Oh, well, yeah. So And more sustainable. Much more sustainable. And better for society. Absolutely. I told Sean, anytime you want to buy me a lab-grown diamond, just, I mean, I'm all right with it. <laughs> Go for it. We're helping the environment, making my hand look prettier. I looked up a one-carat diamond, just mm-hmm. a one-carat lab-grown diamond. Mm-hmm. It was a white gold band with a mm-hmm. one-carat diamond. It was emerald cut. Mm-hmm. It was like $600. A one-carat diamond was like $600. I was like, oh my gosh. So that one on your wish list? No, $600. That's still too expensive. <laughs> But, I mean, if you're looking at natural diamonds that are one carat and, you know, of a high quality, mm-hmm. you know, very few flaws, yeah. and emerald cut, mm-hmm. those mother scratches are expensive. Right. Yeah. One month's salary or however. Oh, it's, well, it's more than that. Well, for rich people. <laughs> one month's salary. My sources for that were BrilliantEarth.com and GrownBrilliance.com. And now, don't go to Grown Brilliance unless you want these crazy targeted ads. Oh, no. You would not believe. It was awful. Is it worse than breakfast? It's worse than breakfast. (laughs) Stop it, breakfast. Stop sending me texts. (laughs) My next search is a rare work search that made it onto the list. I know. Usually it's like, whatever. Microsoft Word Dictionary Keeps Changing Languages. There are a few documents at my job, for whatever reason, have French set up as the dictionary language. I don't know who did it, why they did it. I don't know how it happened. I was working on one of one of these, and it had all these red squigglies under legit English words. And then I right-clicked them. Like, what's wrong with this word? And the word in particular this time was continued. And I have to clear out all the red squigglies in a Word document. I just have to. I can't leave them. Of course. Can't. Can't do it. Even if I know that's a real word, it's just a word that the word dictionary doesn't understand because it's some kind of crazy chemical name or whatever. I still have to right click it and at least tell it, ignore this. Or add it to my dictionary yeah. or whatever. So that I can't have red squigglies. I have red squigglies in this Word document right now. My rundown that I'm looking at. Because it doesn't like the word squigglies. <laughs> and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> the word squiggly has a red squiggly under it. It does. Whoa. It's think... meta. Um, <laughs> anyway. So it was suggesting all these French spellings. Like continue. And I was like. What is going on? The problem is, as with all technology, there are a million places where you can look to see what the setting is. Like, it's never just in one place, and it changes every time your effing computer updates, or every time there's an update to a program or an app, they change where things are. So I had gone in every place I could think of where you would set the dictionary language for word and for that specific document and all the places and I had made sure they all said English and they all said English they didn't even say French so I was like why is it giving me French language suggestions for 
spell check. Okay. And this is not the first time I've had to look this up oh because, my like word. I said, this has happened before, but it happened years ago. And so it was a different version of Word, and you would go into different places <sighs> to fix it. Even after I changed mm. things, changed settings, it was still underlining, continued, and trying to tell me to spell it the French way. Oh my gosh. I finally figured out that I had to hit Control A to select all the text in the document and do the steps again. And sure enough, what? Sure enough, then that showed up. French was coming up. It was in the header. I didn't even know you could set a different language for your headers as in the body of the document. Didn't even know that was a thing. Wow, you are getting deep into word stuff. I'm a power user. Apparently. (laughs) Good gravy. Yeah. So I saved that search because I will inevitably have to do it again. Because somebody will use that document as a base for what they want to do. Instead of starting from scratch, like I preach, 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 preach. Always start from scratch on a template. Yes. Don't reuse documents from other people because you are just perpetuating errors yep. and, and glitches in documents. Exactly Start from right. scratch. But starting from scratch takes so long. I'm like, no, it doesn't. And it, if it if it's too hard for you, then give it to me. It's so hard. And I will start from scratch and I will copy and paste. You're the best. Oh You're a power user. <laughs> hey, Bria. Hey, Bria. Will you help me? Will can, you take control you of take my control of my computer? <laughs> can you take control of my computer and do this thing for me, and I'll just watch you? I need to eat some potato chips. <laughs> anyway, it was one of those weeks. So, my source for that search, which was fascinating, I'm sure, was Microsoft Word help. What? What are some weird uh, Microsoft Word glitches that you've had? Oh gosh. This is well, some, this is some good admin just talk. Formatting in general <laughs> mm-hmm. makes me insane. Mm-hmm. And I know you format all day long, all the time. Mm-hmm. That's like that's my jam. Your life. I I really hate when Word just changes things. You know what that is? That's Clippy in the background <laughs> going. I see that she's writing a letter. I like to watch. That's what Clippy said. I'm just gonna change it. <laughs> effing clippy word what's your next search it is louder milk tv show <gasps> have you seen this i have seen Louder. oh milk, my gosh and i like it oh my gosh sean and i stumbled on this by accident mm-hmm. never heard of it but i mean ron livingston come on he is Get out of town one of my favorites us too ever. we love him we just started this one night we were just like mm-hmm. let's just watch a tv show so you've heard this, but maybe our DTH besties haven't. They oh. don't know about it. So I'm going to give a short synopsis. Do it. According to IMDb, Sam Loudermilk is a recovering alcoholic and substance abuse counselor with a bad attitude. <laughs> Although he has dr- his drinking under control, Loudermilk discovers that when your life is a mess, getting clean is the easy part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that was a great description. And so I was trying to think of other things that reminded me of, and two things popped in my head. Mm-hmm. One was the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack oh, Nicholson. Yes. 
That guy, the main character, Jack Nicholson, is so mean. He is. And everyone hates his guts. He's such a dick. But then he turns out, you know, he has the heart of gold, even though he's a little rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. That's what this is reminding me of. Correct. And then the other show I thought of was House. Yes. But this is a little bit, it's touching on a very serious subject Mm -hmm. of substance abuse and alcohol abuse. And it's so irreverent. Mm -hmm. It's really funny, but it's, they really are doing a good job of walking a line Mm -hmm. on a very serious topic, but also making it funny. Yeah. But you like him, even though he's so terrible. Yeah. He's a jerk. Yes. But you understand kind of why he is. Yes. And you agree with him a lot of times. That's very true. You're like, God, why is he doing this? Mm -hmm. But then you get to the end of the episode and it all falls into place. And you're like, wow. Yeah. He's he knows what he's doing. Right. And he just helped that person. But it was he helped them in a really horrible way. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, the ends justify the means. Absolutely. That's that's I think his motto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we haven't gotten very far in it, but it's really, really good. It was uh, ran from 2017 to 2020. I was curious, um, I didn't look this up, but I was curious since it ended in 2020 if the pandemic just killed it. Probably. But it's too bad. The good thing about this that I'm loving is that it is a 30-minute episode, right. baby. Yeah. Bring it on. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. I love 30-minute episodes. Quick bites. Yes. I mean, I end up watching four hours. Of course. In a row. But I feel like I have the ability to stop. Like, okay, we're at the end of... Yeah. You have the option. And I'm so busy right now. Like, (laughs) 30-minute shows are my jam. And I do stop. I'm like, okay, I'm watching one show tonight. Decompress from work. And then I've got to get on the ball. I've got stuff to do. You are so disciplined. Exhausted. I'm exhausted. You're disciplined. Because I tell myself that all the time. One 30-minute episode, and then I need to go take a shower. Or (laughs) one 30-minute episode, and then I need to finish that book that I'm supposed to deliver in July. (laughs) You know, things like that. And it never happens. But you get up so early. You do a lot of stuff before work even begins. Folks, I, I think I've said this before. I sleep until the last possible minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sleep and or just lay in bed. Right. I saw a Scottish term this morning about lying in bed beyond your wake up time. Yeah. And it was called something like herky jerky or higgledy piggledy or lurky burky. I can't remember. I'll have to look <laughs> it up. Um, but it totally is. It's you. It's me. I don't think I could ever find it again. Just search. What is the Scottish term for lying in bed past your alarm? I'm going to do it right now. What is the Scottish term for lying in bed past the wake-up time? Herkle-durkle. Herkle-durkle? That's it. To herkle-durkle, to lie in bed, or to lounge after it's time to get up to go to work. (laughs) So it's a verb? Verb and a noun. It can be used either way. Oh, I had a bit of a herkle-durkle yes. this morning. Yep. Or I herkle-durkled. I herkle-durkled. So, folks, that is m- that is me. Y- you could not explain me any better than that. You're... I'm a herkle-durkler. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I mean, me too when, I, when I'm dreading something. Oh. But, yeah, I do get up early because that's my quiet time. 
We talked about ladder milk. Yeah. You done with that? I'm done. Okay. Oh, my sources yeah. were Netflix and IMDb, and I used Sean Birch a little bit on that one. Mm. You know what show it kind of reminds me of is the Ricky Gervais show Afterlife. Oh, I never did watch that. It's about him grieving his deceased wife. That's why I did not watch it. Girl. I don't think I could do it. It's really good and really funny. Okay. But also very touching. All right. And has some deep meaning. Same same type of person, though. But you notice that male characters are allowed to be dislikable and unlikable. I was just thinking that. Mm Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that every one of our examples were male. Yeah. And I can't come up with an example where the female character, I'll think about that some more. Maybe there is. There has to be. It's very rare. I write female protagonists most of the time. And the number one comment I get back, number one, every time I have a rough draft that goes to a beta reader always comes back, you know, Sometimes she's not very likable. And that just boggles my mind. Women characters are not allowed to be unlikable. You have to like them. That mm. is such a societal thing. Mm. I've read literary criticisms about the issue of male characters being allowed to be complex and faulted and flawed and unlikable at levels where women characters are just not. Mm-hmm. You have to like them. You have to be able to relate to them. You you have to agree with the way that they handle things. Mm-hmm. Or else it's like, mm, I don't want to finish that book because I can't, I can't relate to that person. It's like, what? I'm going to think about this. Maybe they don't want to know me because I am 80% of the time not a likable person. <laughs> but I feel... A, a lot of pressure to be likable and to be a people pleaser. Who's putting that pressure on you? Just society well, probably in general? myself, mostly. Yeah, that's what I can't think. Uh, I'm thinking but about why your... did why did I start putting that pressure on myself? There had to have been some kind of outside stimuli making me feel like that was an expectation. Listen, it all goes back to Elaine in Seinfeld <laughs> finding the note in her in her medical chart that she's difficult. Okay, I tried to move on and then I got I got sidetracked again. But yeah, let's both think about that this week. Okay, let's do. And and start to really notice it. Notice the times that you censor yourself because that's not what a nice person would say or do. How many times do you guilt yourself just for the things you think? Oh, well, I mean, constantly. Right. That comes from Lutheranism. It's <laughs> just being raised by Lutheran parents. <laughs> All right, my next search is Travis Kelsey Food Walmart. Okay, yes. Okay. Travis Kelsey has a line of very expensive, apparently pretty gross, Uh, ready-prepared microwave meals. Shut up. Are you serious? I'm serious. At Walmart? Uh Uh-huh. Have you tried one? No. Oh, okay. First of all, they're 12 to 13 (gasps) bucks a piece, and it's a single serving. Travis. I looked at your shirt. Which is your left boob. My left boob is Travis today. Your left boob is Travis. And I looked at him with disdain and judging. Travis. What Look, the hell? I'm going to punch my boob. <laughs> I can't believe I looked at you. <laughs> I can't believe I looked right at him. I was like, it is, oh, answer. It's silly. What do you have to say for yourself, Travis? 
Go ahead. I'm really sorry. I saw them when I went out on Booger Freezing Cold Day. Oh. And had to actually go into the store. Yes. So they're in the area like where you get potato salad and gotcha that kind of stuff. And it's heavy on the barbecue sauce and red meat. And I was going to get one. But then I was like, those are super expensive. And I thought it was a family meal, like yeah. a family size meal. Like, you know, like one of those um, lasagnas that you can get like family size yes. or whatever. Enchiladas. Right. No, it's for one person. Mm. It's a single serving. I got home and I started reading reviews of these meals because I thought maybe they're really excellent and delicious and it's worth it. No. Oh, no. Reviewers pretty much universally hate them. What did they say? They say they're they're dry, like there's not enough sauce. Okay. They're too expensive. The meat is gristly. Oh, no. It's not good. <laughs> oh, no. Not good. Keep playing football, buddy. <laughs> he knows the clock is ticking. He's got to branch out. Yeah, he's... To stay in those fancy clothes. Well, that's the thing, though. He has an interest in fashion. Of course he does. He has all kinds of other, like... He has I, other venues. When I think of Travis Kelsey, I never think of cooking. No. Like, oh, yeah, I know. He's like an amateur chef or likes to cook. No. It's not part of his... I imagine that that's what he's getting is a single serve microwavable meal to feed himself. Right. I mean, maybe that's the connection. I don't know. But (laughs) yeah. If you want to eat like a football player. (laughs) But, you know, like he and Jason do those chunky soup meals or or commercials. Yes, yes. Chunky. You like that word? I really don't. Especially associated with my food. I know. I don't like it either. Chunky just makes me think of puke. I know. Like blowing chunks. Blowing chunks. <laughs> exactly. From 1992. <laughs> that's where I'm stuck. So that tracks. Anyway, that's a really quick search. Um, okay. Walmart and Walmart.com. <laughs> <where> my... <laughs> the physical brick and mortar Walmart yes. that she suffered through. I did. You saw it with your own eyeballs. Neighborhood market. It was... My next search is actually short as well. And it Good, because look at the clock. I know it. I know it. I get to edit this There's this so week. much you can cut out, this though. This is payback. Okay. Um, this one stemmed from Loudermilk. Oh. Loudermilk was interested in asking a woman out on a date in one of the episodes I was watching. But she had just learned that he was mean to an old man and pushed past him on the stairs <laughs> rather than helping him. Because the old man was apparently moving too slow. And he was like, what are you doing? And shoved him out of the way. The old man finally reached the top of the stairs and called him out. And she became uninterested and went inside. So to make a peace offering, he brought her an album um, by Andreas Segovia, which is my search. I guess. I had never heard of Andreas Segovia, and I love classical guitar. Oh, yes. I just, oh my gosh, I can't get enough of it i love especially mm-hmm. if i'm trying to relax uh-huh. or fall asleep uh-huh. a classical guitar please uh, I know. Siri. what is what is it about it's it it's just i don't know it's very relaxing it's just yes it is so i looked up andrea segovia and louder milk said he was the finest classical guitarist in the world 
And I was like, well, well that's worth that. checking out. Um, and so I searched for him on Apple Music, and Apple did not disappoint. Then multiple albums available. And so I've, of course, listened to several of them. And he's very good. Excellent. I recommend them. Just a few facts about this guy. He was, he's no longer with us. He was born in 1893 and died in 1987. He was a Spanish musician and he was often called the father of classical guitar. Mm -hmm. He was so good, in fact, that he helped reestablish the guitar as a main concert instrument in the 20th century. When he was a child, he studied piano, violin, and cello, but his main interest was really the guitar, but his family kept trying to dissuade him from playing the guitar because at that time, guitars were held in low repute because... um, it was an instrument only fit for cafes. <laughs> wow. Dirt bags. Uh, only dirt bags play was, guitars. It was like the white trash of yeah. instruments. It's like, or... do you want to go somewhere? Then don't play the guitar. <laughs> but he pursued guitar because he was extremely passionate about it. Mm-hmm. His family didn't want to hire a... Um, tutor or a teacher for him and so he taught himself how to play this is before youtube far before youtube (laughs) so he became obsessed with playing the guitar and was doing it every free minute of the day he ended up going to a musical institute to continue his education and gave his first public concert in 1909 while he was a student at the granada musical institute he tried playing in smaller venues because that's where guitar players played, were cafes. Oh, yes. The mm-hmm. lowest of the low. And it wasn't working out for him. People weren't interested in classical guitars. And so he thought, well, I'm going to just try a bigger venue. And so he started renting out halls with hundreds of seats, even like up to a thousand seats. And people started coming in droves. Really? Yes. Kara. I know. Maybe we just need to start doing this. We need to rent a giant hall. <laughs> rent it and they will come. Oh, By Lord. 1916, he was performing in Barcelona, later Madrid. And then he started touring South America between 1919 and 1923. By 1924, when he performed in Paris for the first time, his reputation was international. There are several books about him and even a couple of documentaries, which I plan to check out if anyone is interested. Excellent. My sources were Britannica.com, BachCantatas.com, and Apple Music. Kara, what about this one? Uh, What about this one? I have a quick listing of my other searches from the past week that I didn't have time to discuss in this episode, period. Or were simply too boring to share. Correct. Hockey Fights Cancer Charity. Oh, Bread distributors near me. <laughs> Bloodborne pathogens. Mm. Makeyage makeup. A very foreign, expensive charge on my debit card that is not mine. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, vocational rehabilitation services. Mm-hmm. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Uh-huh. M4A to MP3 conversion. Okay. Audio. Ooh. You know, neural pathways. <laughs> what are your, but what about this one, That's searches? That's all you have? That's it. I oh had seven. Lord. Well, strap in. Here all we right. go. 
Breakstep Bridge Mythbusters episode. King's Corners Rules and Scoring. Chief Schedule. Packer Schedule. Bimbo Bakeries. Popeye's Combo Number One. <laughs> I had to research that one. Find out what the hell went wrong. <laughs> your tongue still hurting from that spicy chicken other sandwich? things are <laughs> oh no my tongue's fine now maria taylor's baby so cute isn't he adorable jimmy john's menu easy slide kitchen aid matt is the series unforgotten based on a series of books how to use up buttermilk Petition to allow everyone in Las Vegas to celebrate freely on February 11th, 2024. <laughs> what does corked mean? Article called, If You Sleep in Socks, You're a Psychopath. <laughs> Popular yoga pants logos. Pico de Gallo recipe. Home of the Chiefs radio station. Springfield Symphony schedule. Lavender scare. Dork definition and etymology. Sterling silver stud earrings. Whoa. That's it. I probably could have pulled some of those out and elaborated, but... <laughs> Do you have any listener shout-outs? I don't. I don't either. Week. I don't either. Feel free to email us if you would like to. Delete this history podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, engage with us on social media mm -hmm. at DTH Gals for Insta and Threads and delete this history on Facebook. Rate, review us, tell yes. your friends about us. Subscribe. I mean, I have been shamelessly promoting us. I need to do a better job. It is, it's getting kind of embarrassing. I feel like people are starting to avoid me. <laughs> God, don't, don't talk to Bria. She'll tell you about her podcast. I think before football kicks off, yes. I've got some stuff to do. Oh, like delete your history? That's A number one. Stay fresh, cheese bags. See you next week. Bye, friend. Delete This History is created, written, hosted, produced, and edited by Bria Brown and Kara Birch. Theme music is so good by Orcas. Email us at deletethishistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and threads at DTHGals and Facebook at Delete This History. Copyright 2024. All rights reserved. Inarticulateness brought to you by migraines, late nights, and early mornings. <laughs> <laughs>